You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. All right, everybody, what is going on? Matt Bovey here for an episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo, following the Bills' 25-20 loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars over in London at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Quite simply, this was a disastrous trip across the pond for the Bills because of the results, but also because of the injuries. We'll get to all that on this episode. We're going to keep this one a little bit brief. It'll just be me. Sal is on the plane right now traveling back to the United States. I'm spending an extra day here in the city, just going to do a little bit of sightseeing and whatnot. We apologize. No video aspect of the podcast this week. It's just going to be, or at least for this episode, it's going to be audio only. But thank you for checking us out. Hopefully you're feeling a little bit better after that game on Sunday because I know a lot of Bills fans very, very upset, as they should be, because quite frankly, the team just was flat for the first 50 minutes of the game. I mean, the Bills had just seven points offensively until there were four minutes left in the game, and it just did not feel like anything was clicking. And there are so many different reasons why that ultimately is. The question is, who deserves the blame? Because I think overall, the blanket blame for this game should be the offense. There were times when maybe you could have used one or two more stops from the defense, but given the injuries that they had and how well they played for most of the game, I don't really think they deserve any of this blame. I think the blame goes to the offense. So then the question becomes, okay, who's to blame on the offense? And for me, I think there's multiple people here, but I still think that if you're going to point the finger at anybody, it has to be the offensive play calling and the lack of urgency that they had early in this game. Now, maybe that's poor execution. Maybe I'm not seeing the things that Ken Dorsey is scheming up and saying, okay, that should have worked better, or Josh made the wrong play, or that drop negated that big momentum swing. Maybe that's all true. There were just too many times in the first half where it felt like the Bills didn't know what they were doing and that they had plays dialed up that had no chance of working. I think back to a couple specific plays of there was a second and one where they had just made a nice chunk play and you do like a sweep pitch to James Cook that becomes a negative six-yard loss, and all of a sudden you go from second and one to third and seven, and then on the next play, you throw a screen pass to Latavius Murray, who had no chance 
of getting to the first down. No chance whatsoever. Or the same thing with earlier in the game, where you try and hit Dalton Kincaid on the sideline, and he doesn't have enough room, and yeah, you could maybe make the argument like he should know where the sticks are, but why are you throwing it six yards short of the sticks to try and ultimately get a first down? It just felt like the offense was so discombobulated. It didn't look like they had their footing. And I think you have to probably give the Jags a little bit of credit, but at the same time, the Bills offense is capable of putting up points against anybody. Look what they did in the last four minutes. They moved the ball down the field incredibly well and incredibly easy. I'm not saying you should have been able to see that the entire game, but you should have been able to see somewhere in the middle. And if you saw somewhere in the middle, then you ultimately are probably in the game at the end or at least have a chance. So I just feel like offensively, they took a step back, which is concerning. After a couple weeks of them kind of really starting to come into their own, I mean, last week, I don't think it's early, I don't think it's fair to say that this offense is now a problem or a major concern. They literally scored 48 points last week but maybe they're more inconsistent than we thought they would be and that's not good because you need to be a very consistently good offense especially now with the injuries your defense has had that you're going to need to be able to produce and we're going to have the big picture conversation in the last you know little segment of this episode about if the injuries are going to derail the season I don't think they're going to derail the season but I think all of the injuries put that much more pressure on the offense and I think week to week the game plan needs to be able to bend and adjust and I think the Bills need to be able to do different things against different teams you know my buddy Dan Fates over at 13 Wham in Rochester has talked a lot about the play action pass and when Josh Allen is under center, how much more effective they are. Well, Josh was not under center nearly as much as he had been the prior few weeks in this game. When he was, it worked. When he was not, it did not work. And I wonder what was the thought process behind that. I wonder what was the thought process behind James Cook getting the touches that he got even though there was no production happening whatsoever. I mean, he finished the day with negative five yards. I think it's negative five yards. I don't have the stats right in front of me, but whatever it was, it was not good. I mean, Josh Allen was the team's leading rusher with just 14 yards, which is inexcusable. I mean, I know that I have said on this podcast time and time again, I want them throwing the ball on every play. That's when they're they're most dynamic. But you got to be able to at least churn out a couple of runs. I mean, Damian Harris, like, where was he? You like Damian Harris. Why can't he get more cut? Why can't he get more touches? I'm not saying in the passing game, but if you're going to try and run the ball, why isn't he involved at some point? So, I don't know. I think that was an issue. Yeah, there was the one drop from Gabe Davis, and I know that has been a problem for Gabe in the past, but I also think Gabe Davis made a couple really nice plays in this game, and I think that kind of negates that out. I know you would like him to make all of those because the drop is certainly a catch that he would want back. And then we get to the interception, which is the deep ball to Diggs. Both of these things can be true. It does not have to be mutually exclusive. The ball was a bit underthrown. If it was a little bit farther out in front of Diggs, either he catches it or it's an incomplete pass. So was it perfect? Certainly not. The other thing is, he did get his hands on it, and it was a 50-50 ball. And he himself, after the game, said, in those situations, I need to catch it or it needs to be an incomplete pass, and I want my quarterback throwing the ball there. So given the circumstances there, I mean, it was third and 15. They had nothing going. They were trying to take a shot. 
I don't have any issue with Josh throwing that ball. Sure, you would have liked it a foot farther, two feet farther out, and then maybe Diggs is either able to make a crazy catch or at least it's an incomplete pass. But whatever. I don't think that that was one of the, I don't think that was the reason why they ultimately lost the game. So I just think overall the offense way to the word that came up dig says he didn't want to say the offense was lackadaisical but he felt like they didn't have some urgency he might not want to say that they were lackadaisical but i am going to say that because i just do not know why it took them so long to finally kind of get into a little bit of a groove because we know they're capable of it last week they looked unstoppable Against Miami, you were like, wow, this is the offense that we have been waiting for. Ken Dorsey was in his back. They had some schemed-up plays last week. The touchdown to Gabe Davis to start the game. You know, the play from Diggs where they fake the handoff to Murray. He fakes the cut inside, shoots to the pylon. Allen hits him. Like, those are really good, well-thought-out plays. Didn't feel like they had a lot of that. Give the Jags their credit. Maybe they're a little bit better than we think they are. It's funny, we talked on the podcast before the season about how the Jags could be the number one seed in the AFC because their division isn't very good. Well, I think their division is a little bit better than maybe we were giving them credit for at the beginning of the year. And I also think the Jags, after starting slow against Houston, have kind of responded nicely. I don't think Atlanta's a slouch. I certainly don't think the Bills are a slouch. They hung tight with Kansas City. I think their defense is pretty legit, and I think they definitely have some nice weapons on offense. So and that's not this is not like a, a moral victory or anything like that. The Bills are a Super Bowl team, a Super Bowl contender. They should be able to go and win these games, and they had the opportunities to do that in London, and they fell short because of their own mistakes. If they would have played their game, they would have won this game with ease. But they didn't, and now we have all of these questions about, is the offense good enough? Is Ken Dorsey the guy? Do they have enough weapons? What's going on? So, that's what I've got on the offense. I know it was not super pretty. I know it was a rough day. I expect them to bounce back. But I think if you're going to kind of point the finger at anybody, it's not Josh. I actually think he played pretty well. The offensive line, not as good as they've been, but still fine. The wide receivers, you know, Diggs was still Diggs. Davis has the drop. I guess where's everybody else? Hardy has the one deep shot. Like, where's Trent Sherfield? Why is he not involved? Where's Dalton Kincaid? You traded up to draft a first-round tight end. He was barely utilized. Same thing with Dawson Knox. So I think all of that kind of comes back to the play calling, comes back to the offensive coordinator. I am not saying, like, the Bills need to fire Ken Dorsey. That is ridiculous. But I think that... They need to be better, and they are capable of being better, and that's the biggest reason why they lost this game to the Jags. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day, your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, on the defensive side of the ball, we have to start with the injuries because they are bad. They're really bad. I think that Tredavious White's injury was super tough to see because, one, of his injury history and how hard it was for him to come back. And two, just because he's been around so long and people absolutely love him, he is one of the faces of that team. Matt Milano is the best player on the Bills' defense. And now it looks like he's going to be hurt for the entire season. Now, we do not know the exact right now. I'm recording this very late in the evening on Sunday, so you're probably listening to this on Monday morning. We'll probably know more. I'm sorry, I've got one of those City of Westminster clean street sweepers going by me right now, so I apologize if you hear that in the background. We will probably know more on Monday. Sean McDermott should have his weekly Zoom call or his Monday weekly Zoom call with reporters later today. And I think that's just kind of going to confirm that Matt Milano will likely miss the rest of the season, which is just a massive, massive blow for the Bills. He is all over the field. He is a difference maker. The thing that he does so well is that he makes splash plays when you need them. He made Terrell Bernard better. He made everybody on the field better. He made the defensive line better because he would hold up behind them or he would be able to get home for that. Like, there are so many things that Matt Milano does. And now they're going to need to find somebody else to try and fill that void. And he is quite simply irreplaceable. There's not anybody out there that you could trade for, that you could sign, that you could bring up from your practice squad, that you could slot in, that will be able to do the things that Matt Milano does. He is that good of a player. This is a massive, massive loss for the Bills. But unfortunately, oh wait, there's more. They're also likely to lose Daquan Jones for a very long time. I mean, the way Sean McDermott talked about it with a pec injury, if he needs surgery, that is likely a season-ending injury. And Daquan Jones, you go from Matt Milano, who I think is the best player on the defense, to Daquan Jones, who I think is the most underappreciated player on the defense and maybe on the entire team. Coincidentally enough, I was having a conversation before yesterday's game about guys like Daquan Jones and Leonard Floyd and saying, okay, both of those guys are absolutely coming back. Their contracts are only one year left. And you're like, absolutely, they're coming back because they have been so, so good. Now you got to wonder, like, is Daquan Jones going to play again this year? What does the future look like for Daquan Jones? The only thing that I think is a little bit more promising about, promising might not be the right word, at least the Bills have other options at defensive tackle who you feel better about than the secondary options at linebacker. 
I mean, at defensive tackle, you have your rotation of Jordan Phillips. Obviously, you love Ed Oliver. You have Tim Settle. You have Puna Ford, who you signed from Seattle, who has been inactive. Now he needs to play a role on this team. He needs to get his rotations in. Linebacker, you go, okay, who are we going to use? Is it Tyrell Dodson? Is it Dorian Williams? Is it A.J. Klein? I don't know the answer to that. I'm going to see what they're going to do. Oh, you get Balen Specter probably back in a couple weeks from injury. Maybe Balen Specter is involved somehow. But, yeah, these are really, really big losses. I feel losses. I feel terrible for both of them because they are just really good football players who, you know, played such big roles on this team. Daquan Jones was just a guy who was beloved by his teammates because he did so many little things on and off the field that made them better. And Matt Milano, you know, Matt Milano, very quiet, very straightforward, right to business. But when you start to think about the core of this Bills defense, for years it has been the secondary Tredavious White, the safeties, Matt Milano, Tremaine Edmonds, and now you've got no Tremaine Edmonds, obviously, who leaves. You've got Matt Milano injured likely for the year. You've got Tredavious White injured likely for the year. And you've got Poyer and Hyde who are starting to show their age a little bit. And it makes you wonder, what is this defense going to look like moving forward? Now, all of that said, I guess this is when we can kind of shift our focus. Actually, no, there's one other thing we need to talk about, and that is... They have a cornerback problem. They need to figure something out. I don't exactly know what it's going to be, but all of the evidence points to this being an issue for the Bills because I don't want to point at like point fingers at anybody, particularly play-wise. I know that it's very difficult, and he's a very good player. But in big play situations, the Jags were literally just looking at Kelvin Ridley, and a lot of those times, Kyrie Elam was the guy on him. And they were saying, we know that our guy is going to win this battle, and he's going to make a big play, and he's going to get a first down. And you have to wonder if that would have been the exact same outcome with other guys on the field. And I'm not even talking about Tredavious White. Is that the same outcome with Christian Benford? Is that the same outcome even with Dane Jackson? I I don't know the answer to that, but it was not. And it's a very tough spot for Kyrie Lim to be, right? Like he's inactive every game, and now all of a sudden he's not just active, he is starting basically the entire game so you need more from him given where he was drafted given the resources you spent to get him Kyrie Elam needs to be better I think he will as time goes on a little bit but I still think that this is clearly Christian Benford and Dane Jackson I don't think that this is a rotation I don't think that Elam is going to work his way in I think when Christian Benford is ready to go Christian Benford and Dane Jackson are going to be your two starters, but man, does it make another injury feel like an impossible hurdle to try and overcome? Because if Christian Benford gets injured or this injury turns out to be something long-term or Dane Jackson goes down, I have no idea what this team is going to do because they are going to be in a really tough position. I mean, it really tells you all you need to know that they brought in Jamarcus Ingram late into the game and took Kyir Elam off the field and it had nothing to do with an injury. They just thought that Ingram gave them a better chance of making a play. I think there has been some pushback on Sean McDermott using Micah Hyde on Kelvin Ridley on that late play. It was like third and four, third and five. They hit him down the field for a big gain. That basically... Would took the life out of the Bills. That basically ended their chances of trying to come back in this game. My question is, or I guess my rebuttal is, don't you think that he would have given you a better chance, Micah Hyde, than any of your corners? 
I think that says more about his Sean McDermott's lack of faith in his corners than it does about the decision-making to put Micah Hyde out there. I think if you're Sean McDermott, you go, I trust Micah Hyde. I don't trust those other guys. And Micah Hyde got beat. Maybe a couple years ago, Micah Hyde's a little bit faster. He plays that a little bit differently. Calvin Ridley just beat him. He made a really nice play. Trevor Lawrence made a perfect throw. Sometimes that's going to happen. But I don't really think that that was a mistake, that he put Micah Hyde out there. I just think it was that he he can't say this actually after a game, but his actions can tell us that he does not trust his corners as much as he trusts his safeties, at least right now. So we shall see what happens there. The one thing I will say, though, about kind of switching gears and trying to be a little bit more optimistic moving forward. Even with the injuries, I think the Bills defense did a pretty good job yesterday. They made splash plays. A.J. Epinesa was awesome. Give him some credit because he had a nice game. There were other guys who had some nice plays mixed in along the way. It's good to see that because you need now some of your more under-the-radar guys to step up. You wonder, how long is Greg Rousseau going to miss? How much is Von Miller going to play? Well, if Von Miller plays, let's say, three quarters next week instead of just a half, you're going to see a lot more of A.J. Epinesa, even if Greg Rousseau is healthy. It's a good sign that he's playing well because he's somebody they're going to need to count on. Same thing, like Sean McDermott, they made some nice plays. They kept the Jags in check for most of the game. They had just 11 points until late in the game, and then they started to kind of pile it on. So I think the whole MO of the Bills for years has been bend, don't break. They bent for a lot of the day. The Bills were able to get them off of the field when they were certainly in range to score points, whether it be a touchdown or field goal. And it looked like, okay, now is the moment where the momentum is going to shift, but the offense couldn't lift them up. I think with Sean McDermott leading the way here, they'll be able to figure some things out. It is certainly not going to look as good or as dominant as it did at times when you had Tredavious White, when you had Matt Milano. But I do think Sean will be able to kind of dial some things up to kind of protect their areas where they're maybe not quite as good and lift the team up to not make the defense be a huge problem. I think right now for this team moving forward, you need your defense to be okay and you need your offense to be outstanding. And that is how you can ultimately get to where you're trying to go. So let's now talk on that. You know, I think back to the last time Tredavious White was injured. That was the day that was Thanksgiving Day in New Orleans. And I remember after the game how just deflated all of the players were, even though they won the game because they knew how bad the Tredavious White injury was. And it also felt like they knew that their chances at a Super Bowl might have just slipped through their hands because of how important Trey was to that team. Now, coincidentally, they went on to go to the playoffs, they dominated the Patriots, and then had the 13-second game against the Chiefs, and that was the closest I think this team has ever been to winning a Super Bowl, even though they lost in the divisional round and not in the AFC Championship like they had done the year prior. But the mood after the game was very, very grim. And the mood after the game on Sunday against the Jags was once again bleak, and it was a mix of things. It was one, because they lost the game, but two, because they know how good Matt Milano is, and it feels like in their heads, now that chance of doing what they're trying to do becomes that much harder. And I agree with that, because Matt Milano's a great player. But I also want to say, you're getting Von Miller back. Your defensive line, I don't want to say just Milano either. Jones and Milano. Because Daquan Jones is a really good player, and he makes everybody else around him even better. 
So he is not an insignificant loss. Losing both of these guys, in addition to Tavius White, those are really, really, really big injuries. Now it's on the offense to go be as good as they're capable of being, which is a tough conversation to have today given how bad they were against the Jags for most of the game. This is why you have a franchise quarterback. This is why Josh Allen is widely considered one of the best players in the NFL. You need to get into the playoffs, and you need your quarterback to get hot, like they did a couple years ago, and lean on them. And then you just hope that your defense makes a play or two, right? Like, that's what just needs to happen. But it's too early in the season. There's injuries all around the league to important players. But you certainly cannot say, or at least I don't think it's fair to say, okay, the Super Bowl window's done. This team's not good enough. This is a 500 team. I still think they're going to be good. I still think they're a playoff team. And I still think that they have the chance of getting to where they're trying to go because of a guy like Josh Allen, because of a guy like Stephon Diggs, (coughs) because of a guy like Von Miller even. So you still have some pieces that you like, and you still have some potential to go out there and to, you know, get to the playoffs, and I've always said, once you get to the playoffs, I think that's really all that matters, and then you just have to get hot at the right time. I don't think that we're going to be talking about this team being the one seed. I don't even know if this team is going to win their division, but I think that they're going to be a playoff team, and then, you know, then you can have that conversation from there. Once again, I really apologize if I'm rambling. I've never done a podcast completely by myself, so it's a little bit interesting. I'm, I'm learning as I go here, and the other thing that I think gives you a little bit of optimism is... The upcoming schedule, you should really thrive with this upcoming schedule. And if you don't, then maybe we have to have a different conversation. Next up, the Giants. We don't know who their quarterback's even going to be because Daniel Jones left the last game with a neck injury. Could this be a Tarod Taylor game against the Buffalo Bills back in Buffalo? I believe I saw the Bills are 14.5-point favorites in this game, a game that they absolutely have to win. You would imagine the Giants get Saquon Barkley back because he was close to playing this week. So the Giants, I think, are going to be a little bit more dangerous offensively. But if you can't beat the Giants at home, that's a big issue. Then you go to the Patriots, who were just shut out at home against the New Orleans Saints. Will they be better than they were on Sunday? Certainly. Are you still the much better team in that game? Absolutely. That should be another win. Then you're home against Tampa. Tampa has surprised some people this year. I think they're better than people thought. You should be able to beat them at home. The thing that scares me a little bit about that game is Mike Evans and Chris Godwin against whatever corners they have. So you really hope that Christian Benford is back by that point. Then it's the same thing the next week against the Bengals. I don't know exactly what the Bengals are yet. They looked better on Sunday, but they also looked better against Arizona. So is the offense fine? Is Burrow feeling good again? Or was it just because they were playing Arizona? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think the Bengals are still a playoff team. I think they're going to figure things out. It just was a really, really, really slow start to the year. And then after that, you've got Broncos at home, and you've got Jets at home. You need to win both of those games. The Broncos stink. The Jets, for some reason, have the Bills number, but you should be able to win that game, especially at home. So that's the next one, two, three, four, five, six games. I think your goal should be five wins. I think if you go five wins, you go five and one during that stretch, then you are at the point where you are eight and three. 
And then I think that gives you a little bit of wiggle room with the rest of the season where the schedule gets really hard. Then you go Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Patriots, Dolphins. That's really tricky. But that's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six games. Then you're two wins away from getting to the playoffs. If you win two games of your last six at that point, then you are into the playoffs. And I know the aspirations are much higher for you know normal seasons, but you know, I think this season is going to be about getting to 11 wins, getting into the playoffs, and hoping that you can get hot at the right time. So the schedule is favorable for the Bills, but they have to take advantage of it because I do not know how much I trust this team to say, okay, you have to go beat the Chiefs on the road or you have to beat the Eagles. Like, win the games you're supposed to and then give yourselves a little bit of wiggle room moving down the stretch. They're 3-2. and two. The sky is not completely falling. The injuries are terrible. It's a really, really, really tough way to go. Talk about a long flight for that team. You know, you have Matt Milano and Daquan Jones injured. You just lose this game. That flight that's already seven and a half hours feels like it's probably 24 hours because of how fed up you are. Now you need to turn the page. You need to go out there. You need to clean the Giants' clocks, and you need to show once again that your offense is capable of consistently producing and putting up points. I think they'll do that. So thank you for listening to Just Me. I apologize. I've been feeling a little bit sick this entire time in London. I never really feel like I got... Oh, one other thing, too. I'm sorry. I know I say this a lot. I don't think when they left makes that big of a difference. I think I've seen some people on social media say, why didn't they just leave last Sunday? I don't know if it would have made a big difference. Is Kyer Elam a better coverage cornerback if they got out here four days earlier? I don't know that. Does James Cook have more juice if he's out here two days earlier? I don't know. Maybe this slow start is was equated to them just being tired and exhausted. Maybe it was. But I don't think that was the biggest reason why they lost the game. I just think that they were outcoached and they were outplayed. And everybody's probably looking for like an excuse, and I don't like that excuse. I think that if they would have won, nobody would have said, oh, wow, like they should have left earlier and whatever. I don't know. That's just my thought on it. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you guys again when we're back in Buffalo. Normal week for the Bills. Monday practice, or excuse me, Monday Zoom call, probably Wednesday, Thursday, Friday practice, and then Sunday night football at home against the New York Giants. And, oh, by the way, the Sabres start this week. Let's go, everybody. Have a great week. We'll talk to you guys soon.